0: Friends. This is episode 27. I'm Ryan Persaud, and With me are my co hosts Alan Ibrahim.
1: Hi. How
0: are you, Alan? I'm amazing. Kylo Ren is my dad.
2: <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> and I love him dearly.
0: I didn't know that about you. Yeah, it's a secret <coughs> that that I hold
1: you. <laughs> explains a lot also.
0: Yeah, you <laughs> not his angstyism though.
1: No, I had a phase though, but I'm out of it. I've ascended beyond okay. Kylo
0: katie murray is also a co-host of this podcast hello hello how are you katie
3: i'm pretty good how yeah. are you
0: i'm all right thank you for asking nobody yeah. nobody does that nobody does well, that shit. Anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh,
0: and we have a guest for this episode we have zufi joining us hello how are you Zupi?
2: I'm great, thank you. I'm, I'm very excited to spend some time dunking on Kylo Ren and also appreciating <laughs> Kylo Ren but mostly dunking on him. So,
0: Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, I don't know if I should do this at the beginning of, or the end but since I'm doing I'm gonna do it now. Uh, <laughs> your work has like really influenced me to actually like podcast for real and so it really means a lot that you're joining us here today oh
2: thank you that's that's awesome i mean yeah when when apple cider and i finished justice points we were really hopeful that a lot of people would you know kind of start start their own thing and this is certainly one of those so that's very exciting (laughs) Yay!
0: (laughs) positive vibes the podcast all right So, as you probably assumed from our weird intro, we're going to be talking about The Force Awakens, um, when it came out, 2015? December 2015, yeah. Yep, Yep. directed by J.J. Abrams, director of fine films, such as those two really great Star Trek movies. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I'm going to assume that everybody here likes The Force Awakens, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I was uh,
2: shocked at like I still can't believe how much I liked The Force Awakens.
0: I honestly, and I was thinking about this yesterday when I was watching too. It's um, al- it's almost just it feels and it feels impossible that this movie is this good. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And has this just much be- like. It's just a really smart movie in a lot of ways, too. I mean, and mm-hmm. Rogue One, listen, I know we're not talking about Rogue One, but Rogue One, I feel like, even built upon what I saw in Force Awakens that for me was like, oh, you, you guys understand how to make a Star Wars movie for 2015, which is, right. much as I love the prequels and I will die on any hill for them, they didn't <laughs> oh, understand boy. how to be Star Wars movies in their time.
0: Right. Which is really weird. This is this is unrelated, but I... Okay. I was thinking about this earlier. When you're a kid, you have... When you have no concept... Like, basically, me as a kid had a completely different idea of what Star Wars was than anybody older than me, which is really weird and fascinating. Because to me, Star Wars for a long time was Yoda and Count Dooku having a dumb <laughs> lightsaber battle. <laughs> Yeah. So, the, like, divide, I guess, between what Star Wars is to different generations is really fascinating to me.
2: Yeah, for, for me as a kid, because, like, the prequels didn't come out until, uh, I think the first one came out when I was a freshman in high school. So, like, and I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to Star Wars before that. So, for me, it was, like, these weird, long kind of crappy-looking movies that uh, cable channels would marathon on, like, Christmas or Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, and, and I never remember really engaging with them that much until mm-hmm. a couple of years before they did the prequels, they re-released the original trilogy in theaters uh, one at a time. It was like there were a couple months between right. each of them. And I remember seeing those uh, in the theater, and that was kind of when... I started to understand what Star Wars was about.
0: Mm-hmm. Does anybody else want to talk about their personal Star Wars journey before we start? The cable that well, might be a good good context for where we're coming at this movie from. Yeah, uh, Katie, you can go ahead.
3: Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for me, again, like most, what I actually saw first and consciously kind of remember was Episode Three. So, that's kind of a weird place to be introduced into Whoa. the whole saga thing. But um, <laughs> you know, uh So then I eventually like as I got older and like got in with the nerdy crowd, I eventually watched all of the original series and then all of the prequels. And yep, that was that was my experience. So <laughs> I had a weird feeling about Anakin. I was like, this boy's got some trouble. Did you have a bad
0: feeling about it?
3: I did. (laughs) But, um, I was like, I relate, but also, please stop. And do you,
0: do you relate?
3: No. (laughs) 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 It's like, um, one of my favorite things is like the terrible, terrible chemistry between. Yeah. Um, you know, Annie and Hayden Christensen it, and uh,
2: Natalie yeah. Portman. Yeah.
3: God, it feels so painful. Like the, I hate sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Not like you. That that will forever be branded into my God. brain. And the whole the conversation into,
2: in well, all, most of the bad conversations are in two because that's when they're trying to convince us of this romance. But that long conversation about like, each of their ideals related to government. And it's just weird and like Ah. clear that Anakin's headed for a dictatorship. And like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I, I just, that is, that is my biggest issue with the prequels. And there are a lot of issues to be had there, but like, I feel like you spoiled any chance of that romance working from the start when you cast the adult actress who was going to be playing Padme through all three (laughs) films, and then a child
1: Uh, (laughs) as Anakin
2: in the first one because it's instantly like, so you want me to believe that this teenage girl is going to meet this kid who's like, I don't know how much younger than her, but substantially younger than her, and then when she meets him again, like, that that's not weird? Because it's weird for me as an audience member, you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's are you an theory. angel?
2: Oh Lord! <laughs> right. I mean, it's just you know. This is what happens when you let George Lucas write his own dialogue. Like that's just a bad idea. But uh, I don't know. They are. They are certainly the weak point in that movie. Not necessarily. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Hating Christensen gets a lot of crap, and probably rightfully so. But. At least he had a fun time making the movie, you know, and got to hang <laughs> out with you, McGregor and sword fight and all that good stuff. But I just don't feel like those mov- movies ever managed to successfully convince me why a character like Padme would have any interest in a character like Anakin.
3: Especially mm-hmm. when Obi-Wan is there. Like, <laughs> right. come on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's actually interesting, Katie, that episode three was your first because it was also mine. Like the first Star Wars I ever watched was episode (laughs) three in theaters.
2: Is that not like incredibly confusing for both of you?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, I
3: I had no idea what was going on. Okay. But I was like, there's a guy, he's burning. Um, I guess this is emotional. (laughs)
1: Well, no. I was watching the whole thing confused, and then he puts on the suit at the end, and I was like, "Oh, that's the Darth Vader everyone's talking about in the media." I understand something now, and then I went back and rented <laughs> every single one of them. Uh, but like, going from three then to one, because the idea is like one is supposed to be the start of the trilogy that explains the original oh. trilogy, like it explains how right. we got. The I've Vader. never,
0: I've never. Wait, are you talking about New Hope? or No, I'm Phantom talking about Menace? Um,
1: Phantom Menace.
0: Uh, okay, I've never finished Phantom Menace in my life.
2: Like- it really? always puts me to sleep to? without fail. Okay, well, fail. I mean that's fair. Here's here's my strategy: fast forward through the pod race, and then yep. you sh- probably will be okay. <laughs> Just
0: sad. Well, I'm gonna miss the dude saying that it's totally wizard. Oh, uh, that's
1: what's true. That kid's name. Oh, I love that <laughs> character so much. Oh,
0: no, <laughs> there's a. Anyway, what what were you saying?
1: Uh, there's a There's a Star Wars YouTube. They have like an official Star Wars YouTube show, and they had that kid on like growing up recently, and it was great. But um oh. Phantom Menace doesn't explain anything. It makes no sense in the context of I want to know about Darth Vader. It mean it has nothing right. to do with any of that.
2: And I found it confusing I remember at the time because I I guess I didn't really You know, I was younger, I didn't really know that much about the original trilogy, so to walk in and then realize, okay, we're not really getting Darth Vader right away, and we're getting Obi-Wan, but he's super young, and then we're getting Qui-Gon Jinn, who I've never heard of before, like, I mean... In hindsight it makes sense and I get the broader picture but at the time I was like I don't there's so much new information here and so many new characters that I don't really feel like I have something to latch on to with just a limited mm-hmm. idea of what happened in the original trilogy.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that is why I liked Force Awakens so much is and I mentioned this to Ryan like when I started watching it last night but it's a, it's
0: kind of a shame that like the Hold on. Wait. Hold on one second. Sorry. Before we go, I just want to drop, before we go to In The Force Awakens, I just want to just drop this fun fact that growing up, I had a towel, a Star Wars towel that had Jar Jar Banks on it. That's all. Okay, you can continue. <laughs> oh, hell yes.
3: Did you pick that out for yourself? or?
0: No, I think my parents did. Okay. In my defense.
2: Okay, but so that's another weird thing, especially about Phantom Menace, and then they, they kind of get away from it in the other two. But it leans so hard into really making sure that there's stuff there for a young audience uh, that there oftentimes isn't much there for an older audience, so mm-hmm. things like Dar Jar, Jar Banks obviously is, I, I think, supposed to be humor for young kids, and I think the extended pod racing scene is hard for me to imagine. I mean, honestly, young kids are probably going to be bored by that at the end of it too. So <laughs> I, I think, yeah, Force or uh, Phantom Menace really sort of demonstrates how much George Lucas really thought this was like a franchise for kids. And I don't want to Mm -hmm. say that in a judgmental way because there's nothing wrong about you know sci-fi or fantasy like catering toward a younger audience and making sure they can enjoy that media too.
0: Yeah. I just don't think that it was done in the right
2: way. Right. There's a way to do it that's not patronizing. And Phantom Menace is like very patronizing to a younger audience. So then for an older audience, it's just like obnoxious.
0: Right. And kind of racist.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Right.
0: Anyway, speaking... All right. Force Awakens, not as racist. <laughs> Alan, what, what
1: <laughs> were mean, you say I mean, it was a little hard the...
2: to clear, but yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, I mostly what I was going to say is that comparing Phantom Menace to Force Awakens as like the begin two beginnings of trilogies, Force Awakens has mm-hmm. so much respect for everything that came before it. But what I was saying was it's such a shame that the collective opinion of it was like, it's Star Wars, but they just kind of did episode four again because it's (sighs) so not like it's so much more than that. Like we watching it a second time, there was a million, million little tiny details and like hints at bigger character motivations that are going to be built on in the trilogy that I was so fascinated by. And Phantom Menace never did that for me. It just felt like it was trying to get to one single point, which is, hey, this kid's going to become Darth Vader. And we have a bunch of (laughs) merchandise to sell. And this film is like, here's characters that you need to love and understand why they're here and where they're coming from. And Mm -hmm. here's a small adventure that is reminiscent. And they even they know that they say, hey, it's just like the Death Star. They say that in the movie. They know it's similar. That's the whole point is that Hux is not creative. (laughs) They just just did the same thing again.
2: Yeah. So it's it's funny you bring that up because I remember um I saw Force Awakens once in the theater when it like on the night that it came out and then I took my mom to see it at some point and my mom is of the age that she saw the original trilogy in theaters when it came out and my mom had that reaction where she liked it but she felt like it was too much of a direct nod to uh to the first movie to a new hope and Mm -hmm. i i get her argument for that i don't feel that that's the case but Mm -hmm. you know i kind of gave a lot of thought to it after hearing her talk about it because i wonder how much of the things that uh younger generations really love and that we get so I'm gonna blame this on fanfic, <laughs> but <laughs> but stick with me. I think um, you know a lot of younger generations are really used to watching media very closely because we get really into those very subtle nods um, that that reference back to other things, whether it's you know internally within the mu- mythology of that specific universe or to something else, um, and we recognize it as. Not, uh, you know, copying the material that came before it, but like very specifically giving a wink towards it for a specific reason. And I think that maybe that's something we appreciate in a different way than maybe older audiences do. Because I do feel like the majority of the people who I heard complain about the fact that it was too directly uh, related to A New Hope did tend to be people who, you know, watched the original trilogy when it first came out,
0: mm-hmm. someone in one of my classes recently went on a anti Force Awakens tirade and really, huh? made <laughs> Made the same argument, but also oh, was like, "Ray is a Mary Sue." Oh well.
2: Then they
0: just um, don't know I what mean... they're talking about. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so the, and they're not going to listen to this. I don't give a shit. They want to be a movie reviewer. Oh. So, oh. Yeah.
3: I mean, so, you know, show I mean, me... it's not like Luke Skywalker, Luke S. Lucas isn't, you know, a uh, a (laughs) self-insert.
2: You know, let's talk about Anakin, who has, like, senses that allow him to be the fastest speeder pilot in the world, which is, like, obviously a thing all of his kid friends are super jealous about. Like, you know, name me a main character in Star Wars who isn't a Mary Sue. Let's talk about Han Solo, you know? (laughs) Like, it's just... And and that's, it's just sort of obnoxious that we see that as necessarily a bad thing. Than just like, hey, that's how some of our tropes work when it comes to action heroes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Kidster. By the way, is the name of the kid who says it's so wizard in Phantom Menace.
2: <laughs> kid- Kidster. His name Kidster. is Kidster. Y T S T E R. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: What. He has his own uh, action figure, by the way. It just recently came out. Is this just
0: how George Lucas refers to children? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, well, that's
2: younglings, clearly. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
0: yeah. sorry. Yeah. I forgot for a second. All right. Where do we start when it comes to this movie? were y'all it's a lot
1: did y'all get emotional the first time you saw the opening crawl come up and you were like this is real this is happening yep. yes. again
2: yes yeah absolutely yeah and then i had for sort sure. of like prepared like steeled myself to have to deal with that again in rogue one and the crawl didn't happen and i was like oh. uh, well yeah. that i mean that makes sense <laughs> but now i've prepared myself for this so
1: it's it's um it's an exciting moment and the fact that it immediately starts with that cool like escape off of uh the first base and like right away um talking about like
0: resp- actually hold on okay, what's that? i just want to give a little f- lip service to the fact that the first line in this movie is like luke skywalker has disappeared yeah and you're just like what <laughs> what
3: the fuck yeah.
2: <laughs> everything has gone to hell again luke accomplished nothing
1: the Empire has <laughs> fallen, but the First Order has risen stronger than before.
2: No, damn it. It's <laughs>
1: already messed up. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, what is the first? Oh, no. Yeah, the, the first first scene is on the planet where we see uh, yeah. the, the mm-hmm. like laser blast that gets frozen in midair because Kylo Ren is killing all mm-hmm. the bad people.
2: Man, um, that's uh, such a good scene, too, because like. I don't know, when you see him just freeze that laser blast, it's like, oh, no. (laughs) He seems really powerful and, like, really evil.
3: Like, just how effortlessly he stopped it and then how long he kept it frozen in place. Yeah, he's got a whole conversation. Without a care. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He wasn't even, like, paying attention to it. He wasn't even, like, visibly struggling in any way. And it was like, oh, oh, Lord.
2: It was a really good introduction uh, for... (laughs) for a character who they managed to convince us was a total badass for like the first half of the movie. Yeah, yep. so
0: the first the first half of first uh Force Awakens Kylo Ren is my main Twitter and then the second half is my private.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> <personal laughs> yeah, oh my gosh.
1: Uh and you get to meet beautiful beautiful perfect Poe Dameron. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the moment for me where I was like, "Oh, this is this ain't your daddy's Star Wars." Uh, mm-hmm. Was when one of the stormtroopers got shot, and then the other one like gets the blood on his hand, and then like had rub- put like the guy puts his yes. hand on his helmet. Uh, yeah. So was that Finn? Yes. That's Finn. Yes. That's, yeah, a, that's an amazing take- way for sorry. That's an yeah. amazing way for someone to decide they don't want to be a part of the system anymore.
2: Yes. It's just like mm-hmm. oh, there's
1: another one of my friends. Because they even like again talking about respect and stuff. They 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 meant they kind of nudge towards the prequels by be when uh, I think Kylo Ren is talking to Hux. And he's like, we could have just had clones. Like, clones are fine. Hux is like, no, we have humans that we trained from birth. Except the problem is that they're humans. <laughs> like, they <laughs> yeah. have emotions and yeah. they yell and they they see, like, Kylo Ren getting angry and grumpy in a room and they turn the fuck around because they're scared. Yeah. Like, yep. And there's people yeah. like Finn in the First Order because they're just people as opposed to the robots that were in all of the prequels.
2: I think that's a mm-hmm. really good example, too, of, like, you know i am talking about making a star wars movie that's good for 2015 having um having sympathy for or having at least, I should say, sympathetic characters who are on mm-hmm. the side of what, what is supposed to be evil to us is something that is much more common that we see in movies now that isn't necessarily as big of a deal at the time that the original trilogy came out. Because, you know, who gets any kind of sympathetic uh, scenes in the original trilogy vader does and some of the generals kind of do except i mean they're all terrible it's just like oh well you know they're getting destroyed by either the emperor or darth vader or both um but Mm -hmm. really the only person that you ever look at and think oh there's some possibility of redemption there is vader in the original trilogy and uh you know the prequels don't do too much like you said You've got the robots, the droids for most of it. And you get a little bit of interesting interaction with the clone troops. But most of what's cool about the clone troop story happens in the animated series, not in the prequels. Yep. There's a lot of yep. good stuff to unpack there. And like it's it's a good setup to sort of talk about um, the ethics and the morality of of what happens during the Clone Wars. But the prequels don't really spend that much time on it. Yep. And then we've got Force Awakens where apparently we've got this entirely different setup, uh which which ostensibly is probably the same setup that the original series had. We just didn't know about it at the time because they were just, you know, kind of mindless stormtroopers that did whatever they were told and had some gags and couldn't shoot anything to save their lives.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so they get off of that and then Poen and- Uh, Finn fall in love immediately, and they uh, (laughs) I love their relationship. (laughs) I love the, like, hey, do you know how to pilot a ship? No. Oh, here's how you do it. This seems complicated. (laughs) Finn's just so scared, but he's, like, enthusiastic as hell. Finn is very much me in that moment where he's like, I want to do cool stuff, but I don't know how, and I'm scared.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, but that's the thing, right? That's the thing with this movie, though, is, like, oh, Finn would totally be me in this situation. And that was what this movie does so well. It's just, like... Mm -hmm. If I was in Star Wars, I'd probably be a huge idiot, and I'm glad that, like, (laughs) these people, they're not idiots, but, like, they're just having a fun space adventure, and all I would want to do is have a fun space adventure where I don't actually know what I'm doing at all.
3: Yeah, like, Finn, you know, obviously has, like, some anxieties, he's awkward, he's sweaty all the time, (laughs) and, like, he's just trying his best, and... He's trying to find companions because he's probably never really had much of a, like, real relationship with, you know, like, people, people outside of the Stormtroopers and the um, First Order, so.
0: I mean, that's basically the same thing as Rey, right?
3: Yeah.
1: Who hasn't had any relationships with people, period, except (laughs) Mr. One Quarter Portion, my favorite character from this movie. (laughs) one quarter portion that's that <laughs> line is great because it finally was the thing I wanted the most out of this new trilogy which is like a weird side character who shows up once that I suddenly fall in love with because so much of like the the um original trilogy is like you go to the cantina and the guy you know uh ponda baba with the testicle mouth yeah. and you're like who is that what is that that alien and one quarter portion guy is totally that then I'm like well, what are you why are you so angry and sweaty and
2: is it just- isn't- is that the one that I think Simon Pegg voices? Yep. Yes. Yes. yep. That's Simon Pegg.
0: Yep. It's
1: a good performance. Um,
0: there's a deleted scene where they kill him. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Well, if Even it's though deleted, it's kind
2: not of canon. Like so maybe he can show he, back up. He
0: shows up, he shows up in uh, the planet where they meet, um, oh, what's her face? Uh, mm, Maz Kanata. Who? Yes, thank you. Yeah, they he shows up there and he tries to get the Millennium Falcon back, and they kill him. Oh no! <laughs> oh my gosh. They totally just kill that dude, but it's not in the movie, so doesn't count. Yeah,
2: didn't it didn't count. happen. Yeah.
1: So we meet Ray, and again, speaking of characters that are super relatable, Ray's whole arc. Of, this is why I completely disagree that she's a Mary Sue, is because she's full of like she's totally flawed. She she spends the whole time being like. I'm going to help this robot, but I need to go back. And they're like, why do you want to go home? You have nothing there. You have a fun space <laughs> adventure here. But like, yeah, I yeah. get that because it's hard mm-hmm. to like upend your entire life and uh, and kind of like give up on a thing that you were hoping for your whole life, which is like maybe my parents are going to come back. Maybe you're just comfortable in the normalcy of living on that planet. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Like that yeah, stuff is I also in- integral to her character.
2: Ray also kind of gets that arc of like, Realizing that you're good at a thing and being very scared by that realization, you know, because she spends mm-hmm. so much of the movie kind of running away from the fact that maybe this is what she's supposed to be. Maybe she's force sensitive, you know, when she finds the the lightsaber for the first time. Uh, and I think that's another example too. Like, Ray is not somebody who is uh, looking to be a hero in any way. Right. And she certainly ends up filling that role, but like she's not volunteering for the cause you know
0: right i mean she only really does it because she ends up getting captured
2: yeah that and then she's she's worried about finn you know
0: yeah yeah
1: ultimately the two of them are just spending their time trying to find each other and to save each other they're not like trying to stop the first order
2: yeah exactly yeah
1: right which is like a good smaller scale version of a story like that that small scale and like these characters are friends with each other and not they don't know anybody else is yeah. really important to making us like them and really important to like that's why there's so much fan fiction and so much love for these characters and all the shipping is right. cuz they're mm-hmm. really likable and and nice to each other.
0: And that vision sequence is probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. It's like ah there's like so many striking visuals in that whole thing mm-hmm. and then yes. And then I was was about to be that one guy who like stood up and cheered when I heard Ian McGregor's voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's talking about the force.
2: These are your first steps. Yeah.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah. That, I mean, that scene is one of those moments in this movie that I really love because it just, it like gives you a whole trilogy worth of stuff of questions to ask.
2: Yeah. Like, who are
1: all these knights that are with Kylo Ren? Oh, it's the Knights of Ren. But I don't even know what that is.
2: Right. (laughs) What does that mean to me? What are those words? Why were they nice? No, I don't understand.
3: Why is he so big?
2: (laughs) 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 I became, uh, I think the third time I saw the movie uh, was with a friend who, you know, the two of us were very excited about like every possible uh, uh, theory we could come up with. And when we watched it that time, we became completely convinced that that is not a flashback but is mm. a vision of the future.
0: Yeah. Oh, well there's like scenes of like the forest and stuff too. Yeah. Right. In that like, in that sequence.
2: Like there are definitely and, like, parts that are her past like where you see her yeah. crying about the ship leaving as a child like all of that but like is the stuff when you see Luke uh confronted by the Knights of Ren is that in the past or in the future because it could legitimately be either?
3: Mm-hmm. Right. I mean like yeah. it it briefly flashes like the I guess like a snippet of where she's fighting um, Kylo Ren in the snow at like <laughs> right. almost the very end. So <laughs> and like I guess like chronologically they're not necessarily in order. So it could be yeah. anywhere.
1: Yep. So many and theories. it's certainly,
2: you know, we, we have the history for Jedi to have prophetic visions. That does happen.
1: Totally. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's just lay, lay a couple more theories out there. Who do we think
0: that Ray's parents are? Go. Oh, oh God. this is the one. This is this was okay. This stuff makes me worried about the other movies. Yes, because, really. I have
2: so because, many feelings about this. Yeah, me
0: because too. If Ray is just related to Obi Wan, and if Finn is just related to Lando, I'm gonna be so mad. Mm, really? Yeah. Why? You're going to tell me there's like two black people in Star Wars they're and they're from the same fucking family?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, not not I guess not not Finn's relations, but I just mean like the Obi-Wan specifically.
0: Um, I don't know. I just I'm not really into the idea. Um, I don't know. I'm I feel like I'm undecided, but like it feels sort of like a cop out to me. I don't know.
2: So I if I had my way, I don't want anybody to be related to anybody. It's enough that Kylo is related to anybody at right. this point. Because for me, I don't want the Force and and sort of these integral stories in this universe. I don't want them to be relegated just to a couple of families. That feels like weird and dynastic and I don't like it. You know, I, I get the appeal of it from a narrative standpoint, but like... You have a giant universe. Make use of it. It's okay that like, right. you know, people can have relationships that are like mentor relationships without necessarily being related by blood, you know. So mm-hmm. like, okay, fine, we've lost that battle with Kylo. And like, I I really doubt that... Finn will end up being related to anyone. Although there's that joke that Samuel L. Jackson made that he's his grandson, you know. (laughs) Because, right, we've got two black characters in Star Wars, so you got to pick from one of them there um, prior to Finn, I should say. Mm -hmm. So for me with Rey, like, I I mean, I think the series at this point definitely wants us to think she's a Skywalker. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the series would also be cool with us thinking that uh, well, I should say it wants us to think she's a Skywalker and whether that means she's Luke or Leia's daughter, who knows, right. but I think that's what it's pointing at heavily. Uh, if she had to be related to anybody, like if I don't get my initial way, I am super down with her being related to Obi-Wan because like, <laughs> you know, because uh, uh, I love only, Obi-Wan, only, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm only into that idea because Obi-Wan would make, like, the best sarcastic dad.
2: Right. Right. But I don't <laughs> think the timeline works for that. Right. Yeah. Me neither. And also, I mean, like, we all know Obi-Wan almost gave up his Jedi vows, you know, because he right. fell in love. But at the end of the day, I think yep. Obi-Wan... uh is not necessarily a perfect Jedi, but Obi-Wan is committed enough to his idea of what a good Jedi is that he probably never would have had a relationship with someone that would have led to having a child.
0: Which, by the way, the potential Obi-Wan relationship is something that happens in the Clone Wars if you're... Yes. Confused. Yeah, sorry.
2: That. I guess that, that may sound really out of left field if you're unfamiliar but, with it. But
0: it is canon, yeah. so yeah. yeah.
3: I guess like me personally I'm like, okay, so these are basically like the only two characters with a British accent. <laughs> like they're probably gonna be related. But on the other hand, Obi-Wan is not a Jedi through um, I guess like talent. He is a Jedi through, like, hard work and training, whereas Rey is very much gifted in the Force. The way Luke
2: kind of was, yeah. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. I just
3: think with the parallels between Luke going missing and her parents leaving her, I guess that's, like, supposed to be, or at least that's how I take it, is that she's supposed to be related to Luke. Mm -hmm. I would prefer that her dad be Obi-Wan, but it kind of seems like this is where we're heading not sure how i feel about that because again like there's this entire universe we don't have to have two families and that'd be it yeah of of bloodlines i mean it'd be Mm -hmm. cool in a sense but also like bringing new people in would also be cool right and to
2: the extent that you know we already have this uh complaint against force awakens that it has too much yep. to do with the original series do not make rey and kylo siblings please do not exactly because i, that's I know such a direct like just don't do that
1: mm-hmm. it's so easy and they already like lightly hint at it in this movie the way that he talks about the girl and stuff Right, um,
2: right. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, that's I've been... just so simple. I feel like it's yeah. just so reductionist to do that. Like, oh, it's si- sibling rivalry run amok, and you know, one of them clearly was the more skilled of the two, but he had to like throw her aside so that it, you know. I'm just that's just boring. That's lazy. Do something better. Right.
0: This is a super nerdy pull, but. <laughs> In Disney Infinity 3.0, there's a line that in Kylo, in which Kylo Ren says that, uh, Rey is his cousin. Which, yeah. I'm not gonna, I really don't want to read into that. But, come on, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, yeah. Come
0: on.
1: I mean, there's already been talk, and none of us are gonna be surprised to hear this, but like, Episode Eight is gonna be very reminiscent of Empire Strikes Back. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. going to happen, and that's going to be fine. But, like, they're obviously, like we said, going to do plenty of subtle things. But but to do the same thing where it's like, oh, the good and the bad people are siblings, and they're both from the same yeah. parents, is, like, too broad in a film that's full. Like, in, Ford's Awakens has a ton of, like, cool, subtle things that it, like, builds on the, the universe and the idea of, like, dark and light working against each other. Because Ray and Kylo Ren end in, like, very, very similar but technically opposite positions at the end of this film. Because mm-hmm. Ray goes to, to hand off the lightsaber to Luke and theoretically train with Luke. And Kylo is told by, uh, what is it, Grand Leader Snoke? Um, yep. Which we have to talk about Snoke at some point. But, like, oh, you need, you're need, you going to get the further training now. Like, you're going to get the bonus stuff because you did really well. Um, so they're, like, doing the same thing but in opposite places. And I think that th- those two characters are going to, like, develop in weird parallel in the time between this one and the next film, which is like really exciting. I'm yeah. in a film that's so much about characters developing in opposition or in remembrance of the people that came before them. Mm-hmm. That's just my little mm-hmm. theory. And
3: I. Okay, so like one thing I do want to say, of, like, in reference to Kylo's character development, is um, I don't want him to have a sort of redemption like Darth Vader did. Mm-hmm. I want him to like fully stay dark side. And I guess that's like. A weird thing to say but I want the point where he spoiler alert kills his dad to be like the, the, the jumping point like pure dark side pure darkness super dark dude super edgy no redemption just bad because sometimes I don't think it's necessarily cheap but I don't always like having the villain eventually see the right way and like do the right thing because that's what happened in the previous like saga i suppose so Mm -hmm. i think it would be interesting to see someone stay on the dark side like that
1: and he's so committed to it he's so angry like he's hate and that like we talk about like kyle ren's such an emo character such an edgelord whatever (laughs) but it's because he's committed to that that ethos like he just wants to be It's his
0: Tumblr aesthetic. It's 100%
1: his cool, like, crazy lightsaber. All of that stuff is so him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's so, okay, so he was absolutely one of the characters that struck me the most the first time I watched it in the theater because, you know, obviously I'm sort of thinking about it in context of, like, abusive men on the internet which sounds really silly (laughs) like that Mm -hmm. that's what I got from sitting there watching you know this this Sith basically but like thinking about sort of this level of anonymity that he has and this Mm. obsession with like this great man who came before him and like Uh, his sort of Mm -hmm. intense focus on Image and and how he presents himself and sort of um, just every aspect of it. And then I know we we kind of hinted before we started the show. We were talking about like that moment when he takes off the helmet and he's just Adam Driver with his ridiculous long curly hair. And it's (laughs) such a for me. It's such an unveiling moment of like, yeah, this is this is what it's like, right? Where this person gets to build themselves up as this image they have in their head that's very formidable, very sort of domineering, but behind the scenes, that's not who they are at all. Uh, and, Mm -hmm. And I agree that, you know, I think he has spent, he is so committed and so invested in this image that he has decided to cultivate for himself that I it's hard to imagine how you do a good redemption arc for him that doesn't feel very uh, predictable or trite or
3: not earned. Right. Right. I definitely get that same read from him as well. Like, when I was watching it this time for the podcast, I was like, you know, Kylo Ren kind of reminds me of those edgy boys from high school who would, like, mm-hmm. try to yell at you about feminism over Facebook. And, <laughs> right. And, like... <laughs> I don't know he just seems so I know this is like a kind of like heavy thing but um so quick trigger warning but uh the scene where he's like trying to break into Ray's mind kind of felt like a form of like molestation or like kind of like I guess like a rape sort of like analogy thing to me um and like, that scene specifically makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Just because of, like, how Kylo Ren is this formidable dude, supposedly, but he actually just looks like some guy with long hair. And he, you know, is just... He has tears in his eyes, and he's obviously mm-hmm. very emotional, but also, like, so damaging. Um, yeah.
2: i uh, The one thing I can say in that scene's... Uh, favor, I guess, is that I appreciate the level of the restraint in the performances in that scene, particularly on Adam Driver's part, because I think that I I totally agree with you. I think that scene is set up to be and comes across as a, a scene about violation, and it is very uncomfortable to watch. However, I feel like. I would kind of rather it not be there at all. But to the extent that it is, I think it is done in a way that is no more uncomfortable than it has to be, I guess. if I, That's maybe not the best way to put it. But, like, I guess in my mind I can think of so many worse ways they could have done that scene, you know. <laughs> and right? so it's, I don't want to, like, give them a cookie for that. But on the other hand, I appreciate as a viewer watching it that, like it wasn't any more cringeworthy or harder for me to watch than it was.
1: It knows exactly where to stop. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and there's plenty of like the villains in this film feel reminiscent of like real life, really scary things like the scene where General Hux is.
0: Hold on. Can I bring up something real quick? Yeah. Uh, Sorry. I just thought of this, but like, thinking about that scene and how torture has been used in star wars in the past Mm -hmm. it's definitely like a huge step down because even like clone wars and stuff it's just like how are you guys not dead they're just shocking (laughs) you for like 15 minutes like uh but yeah that's totally true it's like yeah it's not good but like it has it it's meaning and it doesn't like it never made me like this is ridiculous. This is like depicting torture in a way that I like hate and and like the ways I thought about it in the past and how it's depicted before, but well, and it yeah,
2: it matters that yeah. Ray wins, right? Like Ray right. wins exactly. that confrontation clearly and and in a way that you know infuriates him and sets him back on his heels. And so while it's difficult to suffer through that scene, you get to the end and you're like, yeah, Ray like freaking you know like you've accomplished something here and it's it's very like validating in that sense
1: right and worse than anything on kylo's part that scene is where ray goes wait a minute maybe i can do four stuff and then she breaks out and kicks ass because she learned from the villain like oh if i if he can do that i can probably do something like that and then does that like really really well handled uh you're going to loosen my restraints and then open the door for me scene which, and drop your gun and drop your gun because <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like her testing the extent of like what well, this suddenly this thing that i can do and this ability that i have that i never like was taught because a uh, cool another cool thing this film does in general is like turn the force back into something mystical um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is like without a,
2: bringing up midichlorians it, you know? i mean it, yeah. it feels like it's directly
1: going against the idea of midichlorians because midichlorians yeah. are like hey here, there's a science to this Whereas this movie has a scene where Han Solo is like, Remember that thing y'all read about in fairy tale books? That shit's really real. It really works. Yeah.
3: Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, Rey thought that Luke Skywalker was a myth.
1: And she met like, him.
3: Yeah. She
1: <laughs> ends with being like, Hey, old guy, what's up? You have a metal hand. <laughs>
0: Yeah, contrasted with that one scene in the Clone Wars, where that up they're at a bar and there's like a throwaway line where some lady in the background's like, "I'd like to see his Metaclorian count." Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I
2: mean, there's something but... to be said too. Like, so the structure of the way the way the Star Wars arc happens, like, yeah, the prequels are going to have a ton of Jedi in them. And mm-hmm. that that does make for interesting stories. But there's also something that's in some ways so much more compelling in the first trilogy and in now this trilogy, to have the Jedi be rare. Like, you don't just see Jedi mm-hmm. everywhere. You right. see one Jedi in your lifetime, maybe, Probably not, you know, and and that makes it uh, a lot more interesting and and mystical and special, I think.
1: Yeah, the Jedi are magical. There's just so much like magic in this film that like makes me want to think about it and like dive into it and read about it. But like what's cool about the Disney handling of Star Wars is... All of the canon stuff that's been released has been, like, very carefully chosen to not do, like, what the worst of the expanded universe did, which was over-explain the magic. Mm. So far, a lot of the expanded universe stuff currently, the Disney stuff, is, like, the further adventures of these characters. And it's not, like, here is the origin of the Star Wars universe. Because I don't want to know that. I want to see Maz Kanata and, like, wonder where she's coming from. And, like, think more about Hux and how he rose to power. And what the fuck is Snoke? Is he actually a person? Is he a tiny man dread- doing a big hologram? Like, what?
2: <laughs> please. Is he a puppet? Please let
3: that be the
1: Please case. be a tiny man and be a gigantic hologram. Please.
3: <laughs> I want him to actually be that big, though. Oh, God.
2: What if it's, like, the Wizard of Oz, you know, where there's somebody, like, right inside the base of the statue. And they're just, like... Like they have, you know, like a mocap suit on or something. Zufi,
1: it's gonna be that. It's gonna be like a dude. <laughs> like, hello,
2: I'm Snoke.
1: they like, why well, He's like, I don't know why you guys kept listening to me, but I kept giving you orders and now you're I here. Mean, and this is awkward. Maybe
2: he's just literally Gollum. Like, he's Gollum in this universe, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's but, played by but Andy Serkis. He true. made himself bigger.
1: Oh, that'd be a good nod. Hologram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So many questions. Did y'all know that Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote the music in the cantina with Masconata?
2: I did hear that, yes. No? It's good
1: music, yeah. If you go back and he's look at that. He's a
2: busy man. <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> he's got
1: his hands in a lot of cookie jars for sure. <laughs> I love that cantina scene. It's So I don't know if I read this from a George Lucas quote somewhere or if I like made it up in my head, but I think the coolest thing about Star Wars is it's um, sort of exemplified in the scene in... New Hope, uh, where Luke goes to the most Eisley Cantina and sees all of the aliens for the first time. Like, that in in a moment is what Star Wars is. Is like, what am I looking at? What is this? What is this conflict that I'm not, I didn't know I was a part of? And why is everything happening right now? And, like, that's mm-hmm. why I, th- I love all of the cantina scenes in all of Star Wars is because they're all just mm-hmm. like, well, this, there's an alien over there that's got, like, six heads. And then there's, like, all <laughs> these people whispering to each other. And that's kind of, like, mm-hmm. jumping on tables and, like, has the cool goggles i'm just i'm (laughs) mystified by that stuff i want to i want to like live and exist in that world so badly
2: i like when star wars gets weird and that tends to be in the cantina scenes and i think it's the prequels have plenty of that too so i can't fault them for that but it is always nice to see star wars embrace the fact that like hey we're a weird science fiction series and we can do whatever the heck we want
3: yep and there's tons of aliens and they all look strange right And they don't, you can't understand them, so.
1: Right, none of them speak English. They all, yeah, that's a good point. Like, uh, and then just, again, hints at, like, a bigger universe. Like, when they're on uh, the Millennium Falcon and, like, the two rebel, it's like a small scene, but, like, the two rebel pirate factions are like, hey, Solo, (laughs) after what you did, we're not letting you get away again. And you're like, what did he do? What happened? (laughs) Who did he kill? Holy crap. Now he keeps a giant series, a couple of tentacle monsters on his ship, that he's gonna i don't know sell to someone
3: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> and he almost dies and chewbacca like is excited for this and oh my god so many questions that i don't want answered it's like my big takeaway from force awakens <laughs> just keep giving me this weird <laughs> stuff and make me fall in love with these weird characters
3: very much in love
1: <laughs> and then <laughs> you know han solo dies also
3: yeah, I Think that... that's okay. Harrison Ford hated him anyway.
1: Well, yeah. I-, I
2: mean, I felt like the writing was really on the wall for that one. Like,
1: yeah. I mean, not to be yeah.
2: not to be kind of crass, but like strategically, if you're a writer and you think we probably need to write some people off because we don't know how much longer this is going to take. I mean, Harrison is the oldest, and you know, at the time they didn't sadly, you know, know that that uh, Carrie Fisher was going to pass away, but.
1: They both... Those scenes where they talk to each other about, like, we're the reason that our son is the way he is and, like, we messed up, mm-hmm. but we, like, love each other. Easily mm-hmm. the most emotional I got during the whole movie was all of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, uh, like, come back to me, bring our son home. And then Han just definitely feels like the dad that's trying to do what his wife wants to make her happy is, like, please come home. Like, well, we're going to help you. We're going to be nice to you. And Kylo Ren, being the asshole that he is, takes that and, and just twists the knife and manipulates his own words and says, like, oh, can you help me do the thing I want to do? Stab. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it broke me. Oh, it broke me all. <laughs> and Chewie just immediately starts shooting and gets, uh, like...
2: Oh, Chewie's reaction killed me more than anything. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. And everyone's running away, I screaming. think. Oh.
3: One thing that most people forget about Leia is that she's also sensitive to the Force. Yes. And she mm-hmm. feels, yeah. as soon as Han Solo dies, like, yeah. But also, like, when, you know, they're they're hugging before he leaves, you can kind of see it in her face she that knows. she knows oh, yeah. he's not going to come back. Yeah. Oh. Like, there's just, like, this, like, desperate and, like, helpless look in her face. And my mom, Carrie Fisher, <laughs> I love her. And I definitely teared up during this movie uh, because... Yeah,
0: I lost it, like, every single time she was on screen. <laughs>
3: so yeah. I...
2: My most emotional moment... um. Well, okay, the first time I heard Leia's theme, I got, re- it was bad, like real bad. Yep. But <laughs> yep. the worst moment for me was when they return uh, af- after they've been successful and the in- you see this wide shot, which is just my favorite shot in the film. And you see everyone, a huge group of like the pilots and everybody for the resistance cheering and hugging each other on one side of the frame. And you see Leia waiting on the other side of the frame and ray goes over Mm. to her and the two of them hug and it was just for me like such an emotional moment about like i don't know i took it so much as like the emotional work that women do amongst themselves you know versus Mm. like away from a crowd and the way that like Ray was the person Leia needed to be there right now and vice versa but specifically that wide shot where you see just the two of them apart from the crowd I was just like oh like right now I'm ready to cry about it
1: (laughs) (laughs) the film makes that stuff really intentional like the a lot of the strongest characters in this film are the women because like you would expect any other like traditional masculine led film to be like Ray is gonna be the one that ends the film comatose and probably maybe dead. But it's Finn. Finn is not necessarily <laughs> alive at the end of this movie. Finn is like, you know, quite it's He's a question out. mark.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and
1: then it's all of the it's like Ray is the one that's going on the cool space adventure. And I mean we it's been talked about to death, but again, like this film does really well sticking to its diversity and like actually mm-hmm. uh backing up that high hold hole, like this is a new generation of people, it's not about the dudes as much anymore and uh there's like asian pilots and alien pilots and people of color on the in the resistance and it's really like does that stuff without it necessarily feeling like it's hitting a quota or anything they're just right. there right
2: and and rogue well, one mean, pushed that even people. so much further not necessarily with rogue one wasn't kind of great with a gender ratio but it was oh, yeah. great with diversity and i would hope that like they're going to take what they learned from Rogue One. And, and and that's an amazing cast. Such a good cast all around. Uh, mm-hmm. And push that with uh, with the next two. It's why yeah. I'm also not super psyched about the Han Solo trilogy.
0: Yeah. Oh, I yeah. cannot give a shit about it. <laughs> <even Donald laughs> like if movies. Oh if I were going to
2: get... Yeah, okay, Donald oh, Glover. God. But here's my thing. Like, if you're going to give me... Okay, first off, don't make it a trilogy. I don't need a trilogy of how Han became Han I think you can probably give that to me in one Um, but what I'd rather have in one is a Lando origin story just center the film on on Donald Glover I'm good like let's do that I'll take it And there's and there's so much other stuff like I want to see Leia's early days in the resistance. I, I, I can think yeah. of a million other places or I mean, I would take the Obi-Wan trilogy like I'm that's just going to be hypocritical of me if I say that's not the case. Like, I mean, same though. And you and you wants to do it. So give that man his Obi-Wan trilogy. <laughs> like
0: Please.
3: <laughs> but, I'm down for it.
2: But the Han Solo thing, I just I I'm sure I'll see it, but I just that is not where my interest lies.
1: Exactly. That's that's so much of my opinion of like all of the Star Wars now going forward is like it's some of it's gonna be great, some of it I'm not gonna care about. I'm gonna see all of it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: it's all it's all it's just a world I care for you so you gotta. Much now. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh meet back again, same time, same place next year to talk about episode eight. Sound good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.
2: I highly recommend if you can. Uh, I saw both Force Awakens and Rogue One. I'm I'm fortunate enough to live in a relatively small town where it's easy to get tickets to the first showing, and if you can swing that for yourself, do it because it is just a great, great time. You will have people laughing and crying with you, and it's such a good movie going <laughs> experience.
3: It really is, because I saw The Force Awakens, like, uh, on the, when it was released, and that was just, like, I guess the crowd energy just makes so much of a difference when you're watching a movie, um, because you have people cheering, you have people laughing, you have people crying, and it's just, like, everybody is emotionally invested in this, Mm -hmm. just like you are, and you're all kind of sharing that together, even though nobody's talking to each other, it's like... (laughs) You have this, this experience, and it's really awesome to know people are, like, reacting the same way as you mm-hmm. and that they're feeling the same way as you. Plus, like, one of my favorite things about watching a movie in a theater is, like, whenever there's, like, a sad scene, everybody knows everybody else is crying. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> they, there's, like, laughter afterwards because it's like, yeah, we were all just crying, and we know it. Right, So, right. uh... Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> Collective sobbing. Um, yeah, yeah. So, it's really cool, and like, just hearing everybody like clapping and screaming whenever the the garbage will do Millennium Falcon like first came into to the screen. Yep, 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 yep. That was really awesome. Mm-hmm. And same thing whenever the um the opening crawl first started, mm-hmm. like. Just having everybody, like, celebrating, being like, yes, this is Star Wars. It's really cool. So.
1: We didn't even talk about Captain Phasma. Ugh.
3: Oh, yeah. I wish she was more.
2: Yeah, there's
1: gonna be so yeah. much of her.
2: I mean, I can't wait to see more because I just feel like we we just got the very tip of the iceberg, and it's enough that I'm yeah, fascinated, too. but I don't know anything, you know.
1: Yeah, if yeah. she's the For closest sure. thing to this film's Boba Fett, then the next film is gonna be like 50 percent her.
2: Oh heck yes! That's all
1: that's <laughs> entirely what. Because Gwendolyn Christie, the actress who plays her, amazing on Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, amazing. Yeah, and she ends this film in a trash compactor. Which, again, is one of those, like, the audience cheered when they heard that line. <laughs> like, yay, yeah
2: thing. Like, that's a good example of, like, a well-done callback.
1: Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. They're like, oh, you got a trash compactor? And then Finn's like, yeah, we do. He's, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> giggling about it. Protect Finn, <laughs> also.
0: All right. I want to bring this up real quick if we're going to talk about a speculation for the next movie. Okay. So, original trilogy, or sorry, prequel trilogy, Anakin and Padme, and then we had the weirdest fucking uncomfortable love triangle in the original trilogy. (laughs) Is this new trilogy going to pull off a decent love story, or do you even want one at this point? It already
2: has. I mean, Finn and Poe are like... I don't know how, that's a gorgeous love story in Force Awakens. And that is the only love story that I need to continue through this trilogy. I don't want anybody else to have anything to do with it.
3: (laughs) I mean, they said they were rewriting part of um, episode eight to accommodate for a relationship that they didn't anticipate writing initially, Hmm. um, but that people seem to really be into. So I'm assuming that's Finn and Poe. Um, but I don't necessarily, like, just speaking off of relationships, I can understand that, like, uh, Finn and Rey have a connection, and they very much, like, need each other. But at the same time, I don't think that's a romantic connection. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're sort of the family that they've always wanted in each other, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. It's very
1: much written um, like good friends. I don't think there's, like, a lot of romantic subtext to that relationship in this movie.
3: Right. But, I think so, too.
1: Would, do you think they would do it, though? Would they make Poe and Finn just... Do you think they would do it? I hope so. I need it. I need it. I mean... Um, I don't know. I mean, they, they sort of... he already
3: has <laughs> his boyfriend's jacket, so...
2: And they sort of teased the possibility of having a relationship, like, because you, you have your grizzled war boyfriends, as I call them in Rogue One. Like, yeah. That's... <laughs> that is not... It's never stated that that's their relationship, but it is almost impossible, I think, to read it as anything else, you know?
1: And I think this is, like, a conversation that comes up online a lot, but, like, I say I need it, but that's mostly just because, like, more queer relationships are good. Please, yes, Mm -hmm. thank you. But also, Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't have to be textual. Like, I'll take the Mm -hmm. subtexts forever. They don't have to kiss on screen. Mm,
0: But... That that is the Hollywood trend, though, is like subtext, and I'm tired of that.
2: Yeah, right. I know
1: it would be great. I'm just saying, not like not. This is like sort of like the Steven Universe, like getting mad at the creators for not making the characters actively kiss. Like, okay, if there's a subtext. It's but
0: there. no, Rebecca Sugar's actually queer, though. True. Like, I don't know. I mean,
2: well, I think too. You know, Disney Disney has the bank to like deal with it if a bunch of people decide they're going to boycott because they've decided to make a candy game relationship yeah
3: exactly and like the 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 other movies and it didn't seem to affect these uh these new diverse movies at all so
2: i mean there was the whole supposed boycott of rogue one like disney can disney can survive a boycott so to me like look to it. the large corporation that has the structure to come out of something like that if they need to you know if it actually has any effect on their bottom line which i think is probably questionable um mm-hmm. rather than you know necessarily a-, a creator who doesn't have that level of backing behind them
1: i'll take it i want it
0: <laughs> i I just think about the fact that they were afraid to make um that one character in Ghostbusters gay. Yeah, uh, the gay. relationship Even he in, is, and the relationship in uh Sulu and Star Trek Beyond is like a two-second scene. Right. Like, right. I'm just I'm tired of the subtext. Like, if you're gonna do it, just fucking do it.
1: Mm-hmm. What better so. way to do it in a big way than fucking Star Wars? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, and, Honestly, uh, though. and that's a particularly interesting one because like, you know, Poe wasn't even supposed to survive Force Awakens. He he was, right. he was supposed to die, I think, in the original version of the script. So first off, thrilled that that didn't happen because now we get some more Oscar Isaac and that's never a bad thing. Um, but also now we get this fantastic story between him and Finn and like, I, I don't know, it's hard for me to believe that, when that was written and filmed and edited that there wasn't some clue as to how that would come across to audiences because the more i watch the movie the more deliberate it seems to me
3: same here honestly like whenever um oscar isaac or i'm poe is telling finn like that jacket looks good on you He's like biting his lip and giving bedroom eyes and I'm like, "Um, how is this uh how is this a, b- a bro bro interaction, you know?"
0: <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, what else is there?
3: One thing I wanted to talk about and this is kind of like super nerdy, I guess, but um we're I, Weird, we're doing a Star
1: Wars, Wars podcast.
3: Okay, so, like, there are different, um, I guess, like, forms of fighting with a lightsaber. Like, um, different characters across the series specialize in different kinds of things. I don't know the names off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, one thing I really appreciated was the differences in combat style between, uh, like, Kylo Kylo Ren... And mm-hmm. Finn and Ray, like, they all kind of did something that was unique to their character. And I think it mm-hmm. really speaks... And it helps, like, develop them, uh, I guess, in, like, a visual sense when you see them fighting each other. Because, like... Yeah. Um, if you notice, Ky- Kylo has, like, these really brutal, heavy swings. Like, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Um, Actually, like, part of that reason is because, like, he tried to... <laughs> Okay, so he tried to make his lightsaber look cool, and that's <laughs> why it has those things blasting out the side. It's actually an accident um and it upsets the flow of the saber as you you can see how it looks like unstable mm-hmm. because it is. And that's essentially just like laser exhaust coming out the sides. Um and because of that it makes his his saber like imbalanced and heavy. So he is like he has force behind his swings and he's like uh i don't know he kind of reminds me of like if we're talking like classic rpg i guess he reminds me of a berserker because he is very much using his pain to fuel his strength Mm -hmm. um and he has a lot of like two-handed heavy swings you can see him like punching his wound
1: very cool Um, subtle detail that he punches his own wound yes Yes. so cool
3: (laughs) yeah Yep. Because he's like using that as fuel to fight, mm-hmm. um, and that is it's in such contrast to Ray and like obviously she doesn't exactly know what she's doing, um, and she's kind of just like, she has much lighter like fast um, things and she also like, performs thrusts with the lightsaber and it's like where have you seen someone do that before? Yeah, I don't know, I've never seen anybody like rusting with a lightsaber unless somebody's like purposefully stabbing but um, I think uh, one thing I also think is really cool is that it's like she's trying to incorporate what she knows with the weapon she has been using her little um staff and like mixing mm-hmm. that style with the lightsaber mm-hmm. and it's like she's not doing It it very much speaks to her character to note that she's not doing something that would be considered like, an academic style uh, in regards to, like, how she's wielding it. But she's doing what works and what works for her. And she proves very effective um, when she's fighting Kylo. And it's like, I don't know. I think, like, even just analyzing those scenes, it really helps you characterize them. And I think that is so amazing that they choreographed those fights like that. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah. yeah, I love that detail, too, um, because I think it's so fascinating to look at the way that lightsabers or lightsaber fight scenes are choreographed in Force Awakens versus the way that they are in the prequels, um, because, yeah, <laughs> now, listen, listen, the Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan, and... Uh, What's Darth his name? Darth Maul fight is my favorite fight. It's I good. love that fight. Mm-hmm. It's so good. But yeah, it's like watching ballet, and it's and I'm not even saying that in a bad way necessarily. It's it's beautiful to watch, but it doesn't mm. necessarily look like um, a, a realistic fight. But I think it's fascinating to think about it within the context of what's going on with Jedi in each of these series, right? Like. Jedi, during the prequels, know everything about their lightsabers, know everything about the various fighting styles. They are trained in all of that. They have all that knowledge. And what we see in Force Awakens is much more uh, kind of brutal, forceful. It looks like an old-school sword fight in a lot of places, like when you're talking about Rey thrusting. Like, yeah, it is such a different way for them to wield the weapons, maybe something a little more intuitive, that isn't based on any of the the scholarly stuff that you would get if you were at the Jedi Temple because you don't have that option anymore. Um, And I'm kind of just tossing the original uh, trilogy out completely here because that's that's a weird mix, you know, where you Mm -hmm. get what that really should be, what you should see is Luke uh, fighting in a similar style probably to but maybe luke's a bit of a hybrid right cuz he's got obi-wan to train him but obi-wan is older at that point and can't do all the stuff that he could do when he was younger uh and you've got darth vader who used to be able to do everything and now can't because of the limitations from all of the injuries that he's sustained Um, So Mm -hmm. it's I think it is fascinating I agree with you to look at the way that that fight choreography has evolved uh, and we're probably you know realistically that's as much as a a function of what aesthetically the people who made each of the movies wanted to do in the time period but in hindsight Mm -hmm. it works super well with the story that's being told too.
0: Yeah for sure. I always go back to the yoda Dooku fight for this <laughs> because it's for the sure. most ridiculous thing in the world. <laughs> and I bet I've watched that scene a billion times as a kid because I thought it was really cool. But it's so dumb.
2: I got a kick out of it the first time I saw it in the theater. I mean, like... Yeah. like- You know, there's something really satisfying about getting to see Yoda fight. Like, because you've heard for so long, like, Yoda is this super powerful Jedi. He can do all this stuff. And you've never (laughs) seen any evidence of that. Like, in the lightsaber (laughs) arena, you've seen him, you know, levitate things and that sort of stuff. So, like, I I mean, I feel you there. I definitely had that moment where I was like, whoa, Yoda, he's fighting for real now. Look at him. (laughs) kick-flipping all over the screen like (laughs) but yeah when i watch it now it's just a little cringy
0: yep (laughs) (laughs) the prequel trilogy
1: ultimately represents like so much of george lucas misunderstanding what people wanted out of more star wars absolutely because Mm. he was like i heard that you want more star wars and i brought you what you asked for it's lightsaber (laughs) fights and people using the force what no no (laughs) no That's why you get that. There's like, oh, uh, that's, G- G- Gen- G- that, yeah. that's why Gen Exactly. <laughs> the most is, <laughs> important Grievous part is the epitomization of you wanted more lightsabers. Here's six.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But the best part is that he's so fucking shitty in Clone Wars. Oh, he's really bad. <laughs> no. He's just a bad. He's bad at being a droid. Yeah. Aww. And to the point where, like, I saw someone post like a YouTube video that was like. Why is General Grievous so bad in the Clone Wars? Why didn't we get the villain that we deserved? He's so good in the movie.
1: Is he? He's just a lot of lightsabers and he has a cool voice. That's of all he is. <laughs> My personal favorite lightsaber fight of all time is the one in episode three, where it's like Yoda and, and I think Palpatine, and Palpatine gets like thrown, yeah. like force pushed across the room. And you're not, the camera shouldn't have cut to Palpatine because you see his shoes and you're like, I don't want to see the force user's <laughs> shoes like, fly across the room. He's got like nice pumps on or whatever. Like, oh stop my God. showing me this.
2: I love, I love that particular fight scene because they end up in the Senate chambers, literally tossing yep. pieces of the yeah. Senate at each other. Yep. And it's like, wow, what a great metaphor, but it's so literal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> subtlety <laughs> is not george's strong point
0: no we're
2: throwing the set at each other also look at this guy's shoes
1: Ugh! everything about that <laughs> fight is just magnificent yeah
0: <laughs> star wars oh boy is that is that it did we hit on everything that we wanted to talk about here because i think so we could talk about star wars for literally hours <laughs> that's it
3: yeah that's all from me all
0: right i am not gonna be able to handle uh carrie fisher in the next movie yeah
3: it's gonna be really rough
0: everybody's just gonna cry yeah Yeah. do you think real quick do you think she
1: dies or just goes off to live somewhere by herself forever and we don't see her anymore
2: i can't imagine they write her off without killing her i don't know how else you do it 'Cause I yeah. just, I can't imagine the character being willing to abandon any Very part of yeah. of what's going on.
3: Yeah. I don't see her doing that either.
1: Hope she gets a good good last scene then.
2: Yeah, she better have a damn good send off. Yeah.
0: So so, okay, so it's gonna be Carrie Fisher and Vin Diesel. They're in a car. Okay. And <laughs> oh whiskey with okay. the song I like where in the background. Going. And then they drive to a beach, uh-huh. and then Carrie Fisher's like, oh, I'm just going to retire and hang out in this beach. And then Vin Diesel <laughs> drives away. He was like, yeah, my brother. All right, this bit's done. I'm done with this bit.
3: And <laughs> um, that's that's it. Then it's cut, fade to black, and the credits roll. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> the Fast and the Force Awakens.
0: Oh. <laughs> Fuck! I did it. Yes. Yes. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Also, the thing that kind of spawned this podcast is the fact that The Clone Wars is going to be off of Netflix in, let's see, when when does this podcast go up? Eventually. Sunday. So, like, you have, like, a week to watch The Clone Wars if you've been meaning to do that on Netflix because it's going to be off of it. Unless they renew it somehow, they haven't really said anything, which I think is really mean because that show is pretty underrated anyway and it's really good. Um. So yeah, if you haven't seen The Clone Wars, you should totally do that, because it's really good, and Sogatano Tano is one of the best Star Wars characters that nobody talks about.
3: Heck yes.
1: And Rebels, please watch Rebels, please. It's
0: very good.
3: Marathon time.
1: Clone <laughs> Wars first. I understand it's better, probably, but I love Rebels. It's really, it's kind of it gets brilliant after a while.
0: <sighs> the Clone Wars... Uh critiques the Jedi in ways you don't expect and they use Ahsoka to do that in a way that I didn't really expect and it's really good.
2: Here's here's and, my pitch I give people yeah. for Clone Wars. If you watch the original trilogy or if you watch the prequels rather and you came out mm-hmm. of it not understanding why Anakin decided to betray the Jedi Order and you want to understand why the Order was flawed and what he saw as problems yes. with it go watch yes. Clone Wars.
0: Yes.
1: All your questions are 100%.
0: Answered. Ah, and it's I I can't talk about it without spoiling the finale of season 5, but it's really good. You should watch it. All right, I think that's going to be it for Star Wars talk unless anybody has anything else to add.
3: That was the Star War.
0: <laughs> that was the one Star War.
1: Mm-hmm. I watched it on I watched it on Stars. So for me it was a Stars War. Ooh. Uh, i here all <laughs> week please <laughs> I'm just doing a whole bit that I did on Twitter earlier I'm just doing it again uh, I'm not original anymore
0: <laughs> alright let's head to uh, plugs and however I end the show because I don't know how to end podcasts um, if you want to follow us on Twitter this is a bad transition but <laughs> Anyway, if you have any questions, you can... Wow, okay. Wait, let me make... I need to decide what I need to plug first. The Twitter or the email? Let's do the Twitter. If you you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Podcast Fireside. If you want to email us for any questions or comments, which I don't know why you would if you use Twitter and nobody emails us anyway, (laughs) we just get get notifications from Twitter on the email, so it's like... Yeah I should do that Mm -hmm. Anyway if you want to send us an email Do so at firesidefriendspodcast At com. And if you want to support the show uh, You can rate us on iTunes Or whatever podcasting app you use Because that will help us a lot That will get more people to listen Or you can tell a friend uh, Or retweet our tweets on Twitter (laughs) And stuff like that Uh, Yeah I think that's kind of it for the podcast, Sophie, thank you so much for joining us. It was really fun, and thank I again, you. I super appreciate you being on.
2: No, I had a lot of fun. Thank you guys for inviting me.
0: Absolutely, and I, I assume, like at some point, we're gonna have another Star Wars chat or something to that effect. If, uh, if you want,
2: please bring me back so I can yell about it when we find out that Rey is a
3: Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> I already oh, expected
0: it so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks again uh where can people find you on the internet? See if
2: uh you can find me on twitter at s o e zufi uh that's s o e t z u f i t uh that's pretty much it these days i I have projects that I do occasionally when work isn't swamping me, but that hasn't <laughs> happened in a while so <laughs> and if uh if i ever have new stuff to announce, it'll be on twitter.
0: Awesome. How about you, Alan?
1: Uh, I can be found occasionally tweeting over at Twitter, at Alan Ibrahim, spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. Um, and that's, again, just find me there. I post stuff. Sometimes I live stream stuff. Sometimes I make YouTube videos. They're all going
0: there. And Kaylin's off the grid as usual. Yee! I gotta keep saying that because people would think I would skip Kalen, which I don't. She just is not on Twitter in a public way. Thank you. <laughs> and then you can find me complaining about trans exclusionary feminists over on uh, Talk a Detective on Twitter. It's It sounds like how it spells Talk a Detective all one word. And uh, yeah, that's going to be it for this podcast. Uh, next time, we, we need to be better at announcing what we're doing ahead of time because we don't do that. <laughs>
3: <shit>. I know. <laughs>
0: But anyway uh we'll let you know what we're doing for the next episode but in the meantime thank you everybody for listening good luck out there and don't forget to take care of yourself we'll see you later
1: bye bye, bye. bye.
0: Three, two, one. Cool.
3: We clapped.
0: We clapped. Good job. that's always the most awkward thing is like somebody alone in front of their laptop just crap clapping. Just
3: crapping. Just crapping. Yeah, that was awkward too. <laughs> that's arguably worse. Um...
1: Arguably. I'm just picturing Kylo Ren sitting in front of a computer <laughs> clapping to himself.
2: That sounds right. Yep. Oh, do you, <laughs> what do y'all think a and Kylo Ren hosted podcast would
1: be about? What would their What would his podcast be?
2: I mean, definitely and- Darth Vader, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. like okay so there's a really good tumblr post that i probably won't be able to find because i saw it a couple weeks ago at this point but it's all it's like a big gift set of all the different dramatic things that vader does with his cape over the course of the series and you know the the original post is something along the lines of like oh you know everybody talks about darth vader being sort of so strong and you don't really think about how much drama he has and then somebody adds a post and they're like are you, are you kidding me? This is Anakin Skywalker. He's like the most dramatic person in the whole series of course when he got his like super villain outfit he wanted a giant cape on it. Yeah. So anyway I feel like Kylo would devote episodes to different aspects of Darth Vader and probably the pilot episode would be about his cape.